0: What's up, everybody? This is Coach Ace here with another episode of the Complete Baseball Performance Podcast. I'm joined once again by Kip Steingart and Bill Miller. Today, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about in-season training and kind of the key points, uh, why we need to do it, how often we should do it, and just we're going to have Kip and Bill take a little time to give us kind of an example of how they would structure an in-season training program. So... Before we get started, what's up, guys? What's going on? Doing well. All right. So this conversation comes up a lot because there is still that mix of kind of old school coaching, which I know when I grew up and when I was playing, which, I mean, wasn't that long ago. I mean, probably about 10, 15 years ago, 15 years ago now, you trained really hard in the offseason to get your gains, but you were kind of taught against lifting in season in fear of being sore or things like that. So I guess this question, you know, obviously we're not believers in that, but the question here is why do we really need to train in season?
1: Um, Well, right. So you've you've worked pretty hard over the course of the off season to improve upon physical qualities such as speed, power, and strength development. Um, So it's, it's not only important to continue to train in season just at the very minimum to be able to maintain upon those physical qualities, but to continue to build upon those physical qualities. So um, last time we kind of spoke about uh, the difference between like whether you're a position player or, or, or a pitcher, for example, um, and kind of like looking at what your role is or whatever your responsibility is within a team setting um, It's just kind of going to be some of the dis- deciding factors as far as how we're going to go about structuring your programming and season. So, you know, if you take, for example, if, if you're a freshman and, you know, maybe you're you're not a starter, but the goal is to eventually get to that starting point, you can still take advantage of improving your performance in the weight room if you're not getting that ample playing time out on the field at the moment. Um, so that's going to be a vastly different approach with, say, somebody who is a full-time, full-time player and they are playing anywhere from, say, you know three to five games over the course of the week then we're gonna to have to fit in kind of like our micro training sessions as best as possible even if that means getting into the gym one to two days a week um, then at least we're able to make some progress on that front but right. um, you know I, yeah. I'm sure you yeah, like bill I know you typically see it probably the same way I do is you know most guys are most most guys right now are playing two to three games over the course of the week they're playing double headers on Saturdays so it becomes very challenging us for us for guys to get in, so we we like to take advantage of, say, guys coming in on Sunday and ensuring that's a a day where we're able to, like I said, take advantage of that day and make progress in the weight room. Yeah, and
2: and I think on top of that, um, I was talking with a guy named Max Schmarzo, who's a super smart strength and conditioning coach. He trained a Dakota Backus, who pitches in the big leagues, and the one thing he talked about was the best strength coaches out there are the ones who understand strength and conditioning very well, but also understand those sports-specific stressors, so... You know, just take, for example, the shoulder, um, you know, how important it is for that that scapula, that shoulder blade to upwardly rotate to keep the shoulder, the glenohumeral joint, that, that ball and socket joint has to really stay intact, right? Well, the stresses of throwing a baseball can wreak havoc on the shoulder. It can cause a lot of, uh, you know, sort of instability issues and, and just creating general Um, immobility issues from the scapula. So now you're looking at more shoulder impingement problems, more rotator cuff issues. And I think if you have that understanding there, you can begin to apply a lot of different training methods to provide more stability to that shoulder throughout the season. And if you're not strength training in season, you're only going to run yourself further and further down that path towards injury issues.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like so much of that comes in the frame of like knowing our athletes right Um, on an individual, on an individual basis and basically how we're going to go about customizing their programming. So it's like, you know, you say uh, a guy comes up, uh, comes to us um, early off season, we assess them, we understand what their limitations are, say, when it comes to shoulder flexion and, and an ability to upwardly rotate the scapula to the appropriate range of motion. Then um, those are things we're going to be in a, we're going to be addressing as a part of their warm up, right? So if you look at soft tissue work, um, kind of reset drills as far as like positional breathing drills are concerned via the Postural Restoration Institute, um, and then specific targeted mobility drills as well to address those those limitations in biomechanics. So. One of the really simple things that I like to tell guys is like not only do I want you to take these warm-ups that we do before we go into a workout, I want you to make sure that you're taking the time to do this out on the field before practice and before games to ensure that you're getting into, uh, you know, you're achieving adequate positions so you can maximize force output. Um, and then not only that, like a simple way that you can go about your recovery is just by repeating the warm-up after a practice or after a game or even more specifically with pitchers after a start because we know that like you had mentioned you're going to lose range of motion due to repetitive motion so the uh, like one of the most important things that we want to be able to do is uh, restore range of motion and expedite recovery as fast as possible.
0: You guys kind of touched on you know the, the positioning of the body you know the way we move. I know another big thing that we tend to see I mean obviously I'm on the baseball side of it but it's a common conversation I hear is how much the players try to work with their weight management right Mm -hmm. trying to gain weight so I I know one thing I see and I'll kind of ask you guys to touch upon it but like when I play and what I see with a lot of my players who don't necessarily get that in-season training is they put in all these gains to, to gain that weight which you know has some correlations to velocity gain as well and then we'll start seeing them lose weight and start losing numbers on the, mm. the radar gun, partly because of weight loss, partly because some of the issues you guys you know talked about. So you know, kind of go into you know, you guys worked hard to get these kids bigger, stronger. Can we kind of talk about you know how the in-season training might help with some of that weight management as well?
2: Oh, yeah. I, I certainly think like if you are choosing to not like train at all in season, what you're going to do is you're going to begin to run into an atrophy effect. Atrophy is the opposite of hypertrophy where no longer are you maximizing your motor unit recruitment, maximizing your central nervous system's output to produce force, and if you're not training that, all you're going to do is, um, you know, limit, you know, it's sort of a, a, if you don't use it, you lose it type of effect. And um, that can happen just within two, three weeks of not strength training to a great degree. So what I recommend for a lot of athletes in season is to try to get fairly heavy. Um, I, Kip, you can probably talk about this, but I, I like to work with maybe 80 to 85% of the one rep max, um, You know, working with a pretty significant weight so that you can continue to trigger that hypertrophy signaling.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like looking at training residuals, right? Like we know that typically... Max strength is going to stick around for 30 plus or minus days, right? If you're training at that 85 to 90 plus percent, um, as far as like one rep max is concerned. So, you know, if all you're doing is hitting 85%, like I said, like once, once every 30 days, right, you're going to be able to, to at the very least maintain, um, kind of those maximal strength gains that you've improved upon over the off season.
0: So then... Kind of talking about that with, like, these time frames, the periodization of, you know, what stays, strength, speed. We, we kind of touched on that last uh, podcast a little bit, but how often should we be training, if possible, and how long should these training sessions be in, the, in a given week or month as an in-season athlete?
1: Right. So, like we had mentioned earlier, that so much of that is going to be dependent upon whether you're going to be a starting player or a um – uh, or whatever your specific role may be for, for uh, for your team. So, uh, you know, again, you take a starting player that's going to go out and play three to five days over the course of the week, right? And you only have an opportunity to get into the gym anywhere from one to three days a week. Then, um, kind of the right, the, right, the approach with that is, you know, if you're getting in one to three days a week, that's great for thirty to forty five minutes. That's you know, that's that's you're going to get um, a pretty good training effect from that. So. Um, as far as how I would kind of go about structuring my programming, like a lot of it isn't gonna change as far as maybe what you had done in the previous phase before going into the season. Um, One of the things we want to ensure that we're not incorporating is really new lifts, right? To ensure that we're kind of minimizing soreness and kind of overall consolidating uh, stressors, right? So Bill, you you kind of want to speak on that behalf as well? Yeah, you hit
2: the nail on the head. I I would say you want to keep all the exercises that you did all off-season long, you want to keep them pretty much the exact same exercises in season. But all you have to do is cut down your volume by maybe 20, 30, 40%. Mm. So you make sure that... These squats, deadlifts, bench presses, and rows are not going to be fatiguing you to a great degree so that you're ready to play in your games and that you're ready to continue to kill it out in the field, but you want to do just enough. I would say probably two to three sets of five to eight reps in an exercise, mm-hmm. making sure that you're you know, giving pretty high intensity on every single rep. If you do that twice a week, you're going to probably have everything set in my opinion.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um another thing I kind of like to you utilize even more in season is like even utilizing things like um like tri sets as well as even quad sets. Like we use a lot of supersets over the course of the off season, but kind of having that availability of using a tri set or a quad set just gives us that that many more options as far as things we can accomplish, right? So and I'm not saying you're going to be pairing big compound lifts together, but if you're going to go in and hit three to four sets of three to five reps for a deadlift, then you, of course, you can pair that with a mobility drill as well as with an arm care drill. So now you're getting more bang for your buck out of your training. So like yeah. I had said, it's just giving you that many more options to kind of play around with. hundred
2: yeah, percent. And probably the last thing on that is you do want to try to keep your sessions to about 45 minutes tops. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be spending hours and hours in a gym. The longer you're on your feet, the more central nervous system fatigue is going to begin to to play a part and we want to limit that time on your feet so like kip has just said try to limit the amount of time spent in the gym by supersetting and combining different ways to to create a more efficient schedule
1: yeah yeah exactly so you know if you're if you're starting on the mound that day right we know that's going to be a high intensity day given the amount of obviously um, intensity required for throwing a baseball at maximal velocity and then you you factor in volume and things of that nature then you know First thing you're gonna do is expedite recovery as soon as, that, as soon as you come off the mound, right? Which is what we recommend. Um, and then that following day could very well be um, a training day. Not a high intensity day because you're not gonna go back to back on, on high intensity scale, but um, at least you wanna get a, a good training session and even if, it, even if it is a movement training session. And um, like we had said, working on minimizing um, soreness and improving range of motion and things of that nature. So, let me ask
0: this question to you guys uh, just because I, I know, you know, it, with some of the, the pro guys I've worked with in the past versus high school guys. So, you know, with, with pro guys playing on, on a kind of a daily basis, you hear the stories of them, you know, training the, the morning of, especially, I mean, pitchers, it's obviously like we talked about. If they're a relief pitcher versus a starting pitcher, it's all going to kind of dictate stuff. But now that some of our high school kids, you know, the pro guys, that's their job, right? So they can get to a park at 8 a.m. if they need to for a 5 p.m. game, right? Some of these high school kids, we are playing 5, 6, at least here in Illinois, because of some of the stuff that's going on with the scheduling. So if you are a high school kid who's got 5, 6 days a week, should the emphasis be more on the recovery aspect of it that we talked about, or should we still try to sneak a, a strength day in there, if at all possible.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think you, you definitely need to be able to, to sneak in a, a strength training session um, if it is one or two days a week. But, you know, if, if you are playing five-plus games over the course of the week, then you could definitely take advantage of training first thing in the morning. Um, I know that's a – I would imagine that's challenging for a lot of guys to get out of bed, even even if it is 30 to 45 minutes earlier. But take advantage of that um, as far as getting, a, 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 again, a micro-session, 30 to 45-minute micro-session in um early in the day and at least that's going to give you 6 plus hours to ensure that there's adequate recovery in between a lifting session getting in ample calories throughout the day rehydrating um you know before you go into your game that afternoon yeah no doubt yeah. i agree 100% yeah
0: okay yeah so i mean that's why you know it's it's trying to help at least you know the kids we know for a fact right now and then hopefully you know this message kind of pertains to the people out there who aren't necessarily in this area but you know I just know the difference between some of the 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 big league guys I've worked with who are relief pitchers versus position players and how like I said it's their job so they have the ability to get to the park early they have recovery sessions Mm -hmm. they have trainers with them it's it's a different story than some of these high school kids who as we know and it's something we're gonna touch on in the future you know some of these kids they have to get off the bus and they get 10 minutes to get ready and they're doing that Mm -hmm. five days a week so it's trying to give them some ideas on how to how to sneak stuff in there so when we are trying to figure out, you know, obviously we, we want to do the in-season training, but when we're trying to figure out whether a kid is maintaining strength and power throughout the year, what are some ways we can kind of track that or measure that just to make sure that these kids aren't, um, you know, at an excessive fatigue point or, or you know, a point where we're, we're worried about them getting hurt?
2: Right, so obviously the first one is measuring your body weight at the exact same time every day. When you wake up in the morning is probably the simplest time to do it. Um, If you are losing body weight in season and you're a high schooler, there's, like we alluded to earlier, there's a very big chance that you're going to lose velocity and you're probably going to see greater levels of joint instability and a higher injury risk. So monitor your body weight. If you notice that body weight is going down, add three, four, 500 calories a day of really nutrient-dense foods. And um, like we had said, try to add in a lifting session at the very least, if it's just one extra set of split squats, one extra set of dumbbell bench rows, et cetera, over the course of the week, that could be enough to improve um, that hypertrophy response. Uh, but I guess moving on from that, I would also try to track something like a broad jump distance or a short sprint speed for time. Those are really easy things to track. And if you notice that, Performance is going down over the course of the season and those explosive movements. Well your velocity is probably going to drop down as well So I would say maybe in a warm-up setting um, try to see how far you could broad jump three four maybe five times and uh, Maybe run a couple sprints time them see if, if your 20-yard dash is, is still pretty good If it's not then you know you're either fatigued or you might be losing some explosiveness over the
0: season
1: Yeah, exactly I,
0: I know from the baseball standpoint, obviously, you know, the radar gun, it doesn't always tell the whole story. But obviously, you know, if we get a kid who's constantly sitting 85 miles an hour and that day he's, you know, 80, 81, Mm -hmm. at least starts. you start asking the question, you know, is he tired today? Is something wrong with him? You know, a lot of those things. And then we kind of send them to you guys or send them to people we would trust to make sure that, you know, Maybe it's just a fluke. Maybe it's, you know, dead arm is something that happens. But I I think a lot of that does correlate to some of the stuff we've talked about, why someone might experience fatigue, dead arm, things like that throughout the course of a year.
2: Yeah, and and so on that topic, something really interesting I was reading the other day was when you go through a throw with an 80-mile-per-hour pitch, at the end of the throw when we're starting to decelerate that arm— Um, the forces on the armor, it's about 300 to 310 newtons of force, which is the equivalent of having a 60 pound weight in your hand. It's crazy. So it's so funny. You see all these kids, all they want to do in season is use these 20 pound resistance bands. And those are great for movement patterns and for Mm warmups. But if you're not doing strength training as well, Mm -hmm. you know, you have to be able to handle that 60, 70 pounds of force that you're putting in your, in your hand when you're throwing a baseball. So it's, um. Yeah, you, you do have to strength train. It's it's kind of a necessity in my opinion.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. And like I said, it's it's something, you know, everyone like I said, this is coming from a baseball coach. Everyone wants to always do, you know, the sport specific movement and you know, they want the uh they they want the, the, the sexy numbers and you know, they want to always use the shiny bells and whistles, things like that, but I think a lot of it just kind of attributes to taking care of yourself in season, you know, eating right, making sure we talk about sleeping and then, you know, so like continuing that strength based training and not just kind of being okay <laughs> with what you did in the past. So what we'll do here is we wanted, we'll jump into uh, later on, uh, maybe in another episode, kind of let these guys talk about maybe a, a mock example of an in-season training program. I know our, our scheduling is getting a little tight today, so we'll kind of wrap it up here with with the importance of why and how often we should do the in-season training. But what I think we'll do one of the next times we, we can all meet here is kind of give you guys Maybe just a short mock example of. when well, we talked about briefly how to structure an in-season training program and kind of the importance of why we structure it like that. So, any, any parting words,
1: Kip? Uh, just yep. Make sure you're getting your training in season. Like I said, even if it is one to two days a week, uh, find, find time so you can uh, so you can continue to maintain or at least build upon your the qualities that you built over the off-season. Yeah, and for me,
2: like for so many high school guys, if you gain two to three miles per hour and you're throwing velocity every year, you're looking at a completely different animal by the time it's all said and done when you're in college. So if you lose two to three miles per hour every season, mm-hmm. it's going to be a long route to get back there and and to really become a great college and pro player down the road if that's your goal.
0: I know we've talked in the past podcast, you know, velocity is not linear, but, you know, except continue the progress towards, you know, that. That upward trend that we want, but the other thing, real quick, guys, remember, don't be afraid to ask questions. So between the three of us here, you know, Kip at Top Performance, Rank twenty-two, Bill at Bill Miller Training, myself, Complete Baseball Performance. DM us, ask questions. You can find other ways to contact us through that, but don't be afraid to ask questions if you guys have them, because that's that's what we're here for, and that's the one way to get yourself better. Don't try to figure everything out on your own. It, it's a long long process when you try to just, you know, read stuff online and you don't necessarily know what the heck is going on. So don't be afraid to reach out to us. But with that, we will talk to you guys again soon. Thanks, guys.